Hi, y'all, and welcome back. Welcome back. We missed you last week, but today we plan on making up for it with a case that'll keep you up at night for sure. So let's not waste any more time. I saw this case on an episode of Unsolved Mysteries, I believe season four, episode 16, but I'll double check at the end if you remind me. Um, It is a very frustrating case, and we are going to see why. In Clinton, Missouri, on April 4th, 1991, two young sweethearts just left a barbecue. Angela Hammond and Rob Schaefer are engaged to be married and are expecting a baby together. In high school, Angela, known to everyone as Angie, was popular and outgoing, and Robbie was a star athlete. He planned on joining the military in the future, and in January of 1991, he gave Angie a diamond ring and promised to take care of her. They had plans to get together again later that night after the barbecue. She's dropping him off because he had to watch his younger brother till his mom got home. So Angie drops him off, telling him that she will call him later, and he says, okay, great, and she leaves. It was around 10 p.m. when she left. About an hour later, Angie was parked at a payphone outside a grocery store called The Food Barn. It was about 11.15 p.m., and Angie calls Rob. She was about seven blocks from him in the center of town alone. As they are talking, she mentions a Ford truck that keeps circling the block. He had passed her a few times, and she was scared. She says it's an older model green Ford pickup truck, and they go on to talk about other things and it seems like it's all fine, until the Ford parks next to her. Robbie explains, Robbie explains, Angie was unconcerned until the truck parked by the phone booth. Then the call took a disturbing turn. He used the phone next to her, got back in his truck, and looked at something with a flashlight. She described the flashlight to me over the phone. He was looking for something. I had her ask him if he needed to use the phone. Maybe the other phone was broken. And he said no, he'd try again in a minute. Then we just talked about other things. We weren't too worried about it, and that's when I heard her scream on the phone. I heard her scream. The only thing that went through my mind was getting up there and finding out what the hell was going on. I just dropped the phone and ran out of the house. I didn't hang the phone back up. I just I just headed up there. Oh, Sorry, I was okay. like, <laughs> I was coughing in between burping. I just dropped the phone and ran out of the house. I didn't hang the phone back up and just headed up there. As Robbie was driving towards the payphone, a pickup truck sped past in the other direction trying to get to her as fast as possible. As he was driving, a pickup is zooming in the opposite direction, and as it passes, he hears, Robbie! He instinctively slams the brakes and hits reverse, turning around to catch up to the truck. He chased the truck through downtown. As he is turning right, his car dies, and he jumps out of the car as the truck disappears ahead in the dust. When he threw the car in reverse, the transmission got severely damaged. He blames himself and is tortured by the fact that he was so close to saving her if his car hadn't died. Because this town didn't see crime the way larger cities did all the time, the public was shocked. The authorities searched by land and air to find anything they could, but the only clue, and perhaps the biggest, was was Angie's description of the Ford. She had thought quickly and gave details of the truck and the driver to Robbie before she was taken. According to Detective Damon Parsons of Clinton Police Department, We had some assistance from the Missouri State Highway Patrol that did a computer search on all registered vehicles. Through their help, we had 1,600 possibilities that we had to check as far as color and whether they had any mural in the back window. 
None of the trucks matched the one that Angie was taken in. Rob became a suspect when this happened because um, they were they only had one witness testimony, which was Rob's, and they had nobody else uh, testify that they'd seen anything or heard anything, so he became a suspect. <clears throat> um, but within a week, he was cleared, and it was easy to see his heartbreak over the event. In the interview on Unsolved Mysteries, you can tell the parts of the story where she is taken or she got, she was screaming. He's very bothered and you could just see he has PTSD almost from the whole thing. Um, luckily for Angie, the authorities were paying attention to other areas and similar crimes that were taking place. Two other unsolved cases within a hundred miles of Clinton had occurred the first with the first taking place three months earlier near Max Creek, Missouri. In both instances, it was a woman at night alone. On January 19, 1991, Trudy Darby, 42, was working in a convenience store alone when she noticed some guy acting suspicious outside. She called her son to tell him her concerns, and he went to her work to check it out himself. By the time he got there, it was about, 20, about 10 minutes at most, the man had left. Two days later, Trudy was found on a riverbank 10 miles from the store. She was shot twice in the head. What? A month. I know. What the heck? Two days. They waited two days. Golly. So 10 miles from the store, uh, there were no details given uh, on that case, whether she was in the parking lot when she was taken or anything like that. So after two days, she was found with two gunshots in the head. A month after that, on February 28, 1991, Cheryl Ann Kennedy, 30, was reported missing in Nevada, Missouri. She went missing about 70 miles from where Trudy Darby had been found. Cheryl Ann was closing up her convenience store where she worked when she disappeared and hasn't been seen since. Detective Parsons believes all three cases are linked considering the proximity, the victims, and the time between each crime. Marsha Cook, Angie's mother, never thought it was Robbie for a minute. She just wants to know what happened to her daughter. Abductor was filthy, bearded, wore glasses and overalls. He drove a late 1960s or 70s two-tone green Ford pickup truck. The back window was completely covered by a decal of a fish jumping out of water. There's an update as of last year on this case. The public Ooh. was provided with new details Investigators are looking more into this theory that she was taken by accident. Oh. Angela Hammond may have been confused with another woman. She was mistaken for an informant's daughter, is the new theory. It's believed this informant's daughter was the target, and it was a happenstance, uh, wrong place, right time for Angela. However, a crime is a crime, and unsolved is still unsolved. The man had acted as an informant in a narcotics case, so this is their little theory that they have. A man had acted as an informant in a narcotics case and received a note threatening the life of his daughter, who was also named Angela. A few months after the public was informed of the letter, an anonymous voicemail was left at the precinct with details involving that letter, Captain Paul Abbott, who has been on the case since 2006, encourages them to call again and guarantees that he can keep them anonymous. He is hoping he can talk to that person and possibly break the case wide open. The way they linked this wild story to this was the note 
was sent on April 4th, 1991, the same evening Angela Hammond was taken. The note consisted of a magazine of magazine print cutouts to form the message. Oh my god. Yeah, and it's 1991, so at this point like come on. Go yeah. print something out. But that's the thing is like I guess if they print stuff out they'll be able to know who did yeah. it or whatever. So the note is actually I have it right here. Let me read it. The letter was postmarked April 4th, 1991, the exact date that Angela Hammond was abducted late that evening. The informant's wife and his daughter, also named Angela, were living in Clinton, Missouri at that time, cops said. And the note says, hello, no blank. We know who you are, no blank. Uh, When I say blank, it's just a redacted. I don't know why they blurred it out. I wonder if it's like a curse word or something. Mm. Um, People like you deserve what you get. We know where your foxy daughter is at. She will see us soon. Tell blank she has our deepest sympathy in her further loss. Goodbye, blank. Okay. Yeah. So um, so now I guess that would throw the other two murders out the window if this was connected to a separate thing as in like this informant situation. Um, Apparently they not only shared the same name, but Angie looked like his daughter too. Angie was born on February 9th, 1971 and was friendly and outgoing. She was 4'11 to 5 feet tall and weighed 120 to 140 and was only 20 years old when she was taken. She has brown eyes and brown hair and a $16,000 reward is being offered for leads in this case. The uh, the news article I used was dailymail.com.co.uk, so Daily Mail. And let me read more about this note or this theory that they have. So according to KY3, okay, yeah, and she was four months pregnant. So oh. did I mention that? Yeah, she was, they were expecting their first child and, um, she was four months pregnant, and nobody knows if she's dead or alive, so that's why they're, like, really concerned. A lot of people feel like she was killed, but there's no, like, evidence of a body or um, – I guess that truck was never seen again. If he was dirty and, like, bearded and filthy and stuff, I wonder if it was just a drifter that would go from place to place, um, taking women who were alone. Yeah, but – Mo- don't they normally not have vehicles to identify them? I don't know. Right. And and that is really risky if he was just a drifter because he has such a recognizable vehicle yeah. with that decal on the back. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Mm. It's like if you were going to rob a bank and you have a tattoo on your forehead that you don't cover, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um. So that's what's so frustrating about this is like, I don't know. It just seems kind of weird to me that they haven't found him. With all, with all those trucks that they looked into, they didn't find at least one that looked like it had a freaking sticker scraped off. And the right. license plate, there was no license plate. Like, I don't know. Um, cell phones would have just been so necessary at this time. And but uh, CCTV. Then, <laughs> yeah, the surveillance. I don't know. Mm. Uh, let's see. Okay, here it goes. So uh, Abbott, he says, um, it would be difficult for one single person to pull this off. 
uh, it's like something you can't let go of because someone here needs an answer. He has been working on Hammond's case since 2006. He believes that she was mistaken for another person named Angela. This Angie's father had been involved in a case where he was a confidential informant. This was a pretty significant narcotics case that probably disrupted some pretty significant drug business, he explained. He says it's a theory that has evolved over time. Revisiting the case file again for the third or fourth time, we ran across this lead from very early on in the investigation, he said. Abbott is referring to a letter written using letters cut out of magazine print. He was postmarked on April 4th, 1991, the day that she went missing. A few months ago, an anonymous caller left a voicemail um, with details involving the letter. And um, if we refute this information, that's great. If it leads us in the right direction, that's even better. Abbott says this is just one of many legs of his investigation. He says he will exhaust all possibilities in his search for Hammond. This has not been a cold case ever as far as I'm concerned, and it's not going to be, he explained. The Clinton police first released that letter to the public earlier this month on social media. Authorities say it has increased interest in the case. And yeah, they held on to the information about this letter up until last year. And this theory, um, not sure how long the theory was in the works, but they held on to it until last year. So um, with the public having access to that information, that might lead the case in, in a positive direction for this family, which is very good news. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Literally, so short. Wow. That was nuts. Scary. A lot of people, I'm glad we have time to discuss because a lot of people were questioning like the boyfriend or the fiance as to why he just drove seven blocks instead of calling the cops and driving over there. Yeah, that is weird. But I mean... Maybe it's just a rush of adrenaline. Yeah, there's no, I mean, everybody reacts differently to shit, so who knows? That's true. So, and then her mom, her mom said that she was in shock for days after it happened, but she never thought that it was Robbie, like not even for a second. Okay, yeah, so it says here, police told KCTV that investigators have been exploring the new theory for years after originally only revealing the theory to Angela's mother, Marsha. So Marsha's known for a while. Oh, and I didn't mention Angela Hammond went to Montrose High School. Okay, so Marsha Cook, Angela Hammond's mother, said that she was in shock for several days after her daughter's disappearance. Took a while to process that could happen in a small town like this. That's not something that what happened in Clinton, she said. Schaefer provided police with details about the truck. Okay, so Robbie, yes, yes. He had an alibi and passed numerous polygraphs. So I didn't know that he had taken even just one, but he'd taken more than one polygraph and passed, apparently. Hundreds of leads involving vehicles matching that description were followed up on, but never produced any significant evidence. Captain Paul Abbott of the Clinton Police Department called the alleged case of mistaken identity pretty incredible. The women looked alike, he told the outlet. There were striking similarities, very much so. Police said in the news release that the case has not been nailed down just yet. There are still several active and open leads being considered. However, cops noted that investigators have come across information that was not provided by the police that lends credibility to the mistaken identity theory and have so far been unable to refute it. Okay, so hopefully this case gets solved within the next 
few years. I mean, it's sad to know that not only is she still missing, but they had, you know, a baby essentially. Yeah. That they were going to have. And so that's very sad. Mm-hmm. So, cause some people were trying to theorize that he wasn't ready to be a father and this was all like arranged. That's why he didn't call the cops. He like wow. drove up there to make sure that, but from seeing him on the interview, you would be able to tell like he was really shaken up and it was just very upsetting the whole thing. So I feel for them and I hope that this gets solved fairly quickly with this new lead that they have. It's anonymous caller. Um, it's only from 1991, so someone's bound to know something. I say that like it was like only five years ago or something. Yeah, it was actually <laughs> a long last time ago. <laughs> um, but uh, to turn the news around a little bit, because I'm annoying and we can expect this from me by now, um, the payphone thing is kind of linked to what's going on right now with Adam Levine. Oh, my God. <laughs> Can you believe that? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm at a payphone trying to go home. Uh-huh. I'm at a payphone trying to go home. Oh, my God. All of my change was... He was trying... Okay, guys, let me just fill you in with the short version because nobody cares about this. But Adam Levine cheated on his wife while she was pregnant. And obviously, that's like criminal. That's horrible. But... On top of that, he he decided to embarrass the fuck out of himself because, listen to this, he messaged his mistress that he had an affair with because he wanted to name, if they have a son, because she's about to have another baby. His wife is about to have another baby with him. Mm-mm. Not knowing that he has done this, he messaged on Instagram, this model he used to mess around with, whatever. He wants to name his baby after her. Like, what the hell is going on dude and and there's more than one like there's several then more came forward like oh i also got got tangled up into that with with that he is a fucking crazy i wonder was do you think this was before the super bowl when he had his shirt all off and stuff he was feeling himself been a thing (laughs) like i feel like it's been a thing He's been feeling himself. Well, he's been, um, he's literally been feeling himself since he began. Must be a Leo or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, that's just trifling, and I feel very sorry for his wife because that is just so embarrassing for him too. Some motherfucking Pisces. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> Speaking of Pisces, though, I heard that they got foot fetish. Is that true? Uh, no, Jeremy has one. He's a Scorpio. Well, Scorpios are probably into a lot of things. And it's also different between men and women. Apparently, Pisces men have a, like, have a foot fetish. Okay, yeah, I don't. I don't like feet. <laughs> Do not. Oh, my God. Adam Levine's. Like, Sumner is a cool name. I'm not going to lie. But to ask her permission, he should have just let her silently know that like, you know what I mean? Like, she would obviously see in the news, like, oh, their son Sumner was born. And she would be like, that's my name. He named his kid after me. But he went and asked permission. Like, Yeah, he's a fucking idiot. <laughs> that would have, I just, he has the same birthday as my mom. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Fucking weird. He's a man, so it's different. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and also, he seems, I guess, narcissistic is what I would assume. He looks like If you're like fine it. with he cheating looks... on your pregnant wife. Jeez, yeah, Louise. He looks like that for sure. A lot of people keep bringing up the fact that she was a, a Victoria's Secret model, but it doesn't matter that what she is, was Yeah, that. what does that even matter? It doesn't matter. It's like if even she can get cheated on, like, y'all, we've been knowing that cheaters are just going to cheat. It does not matter. Like, yeah, Beyonce, ever since Beyonce got cheated on, like, everybody's still shook about that. But, like, women, beautiful women have been getting cheated problem. on since. Exactly, because that's not the issue here. It's the men. Well, I guess I shouldn't even say beautiful women because then somebody's going to be like, all oh, women are beautiful. But that's the point. That's what I'm trying to say here is, like, okay, she didn't have to be beautiful. She doesn't right, have to right. be a Victoria's Secret model. It sucks. Everybody, it just yeah. sucks. The guys whole situation. fucking guys are fucking pieces of shit. But the thing is, not is like not only them, do but, you know. right, but from the for the most part, us like seeing in the media how often they get caught, and then for stupid reasons like this, like give me a break. It's for everything: serial killers and cheating pieces of shit get caught for dumb reasons. <laughs> it's so embarrassing. I just can't. I just I, that was something I needed because I was a little bit sensitive the last couple of days, and so. Um. <laughs> That made me chuckle a little bit, so I thought I would share that with y'all. And then this whole payphone situation had me thinking. Because that song was already stuck in my head. I don't know why. Like, She Will Be Loved is probably, like, my favorite Maroon 5 song, maybe. I don't know. If I had to pick a favorite. I'm not too into Maroon 5, so don't think I'm, like, diehard fan or anything. But it's just a well-known band. So Yeah. Anyways, it's pretty funny. It's pretty messed um, up. Good luck. Yeah. And good luck, Sumner, because you're about to be drug through the dirt just for calling them out. They think that she oh, wants clout. Like <laughs> no, well, if it's a son, he was he was gonna name him Sumner, but I guess now that's out the window. <laughs> He's like, dang, now I gotta pick a new name. Yeah, I'm sure the wife is like, you don't get to pick shit, motherfucker. Seriously. Ugh. And then, um, of course, you know, and then I, because I didn't even know that there was an update until <clears throat> I looked outside of the Unsolved Mystery part of it. And then I was like, oh, shit, there's more. But uh, no, not very much. More. I think I'd seen it on Unsolved Mysteries, too. I just can't believe that he he chased after her like that could have been such a heroic moment for him to be able to get to her and pull her out of the truck before they uh, left. But he Word. messed up his car when he threw it in reverse it was an old car, I guess. And when he threw it in reverse, it went a few more miles. But then when he made a right turn, it couldn't pick back up on the speed. It just started dying. And uh, I, I guess, I don't know, he wasn't going to just run. I would have jumped on the back of that. <laughs> I would have tried to be a superhero and jump on the back of that truck. Weird. But then what are you going to do? I guess it, two people against one is better than just her against one. Uh, but she was apparently screaming and struggling uh, as the truck was driving. It's almost midnight probably at that point. So I guess nobody noticed a, or heard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Shit. Scary shit. It really is scary. The fact that she didn't have a cell phone. So she was just, she was either calling to let him know she was on her way there. But a lot of sources say that she was too tired. So she was calling Robbie so that she could go ahead and go home instead of go back over to his house or wait for him to come out and hang out very sad but uh hopefully these new leads uh 
get this case solved with an anonymous voicemail might come an anonymous caller that they can stay in contact with. I don't know if anybody will pay for the crime, but at least they'll know what happened to Angie. Right. Well, guys, that one was a quick one. Uh, You'll know in the title, if it says quick and creepy, that it was not a full-length episode. So hopefully that doesn't surprise people. Um, That's what we're going to start using these titles for. If it's a quick and creepy, you can assume it will not be a full hour. But hopefully you still enjoyed our episode this week with this Unsolved Mystery. Uh, Go check it out. If anyone knows anything, they are still open to calls and tips or suggestions. Or if anyone saw anything, it's an open case. So please go ahead and head over there and give them a call because it's crazy that she still hasn't been found. It's been 30 years last year. So 31 years now that she's been missing. Freaking crazy. Jeez. Well, y'all know what to do. Head on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you are able to leave a review and go ahead and leave us a review on what you think so far on our podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at G-I-M-M-E, The Creeps. And make sure you join us again next week for another episode. Thank you guys for listening. So did we give you The Creeps?